Have you ever been unhappy with yourself? I mean really unhappy about something that makes up who you are. I know I have been there. Lots of us have because there's something we wish was different about us. I can remember, this is very vivid in my mind, in high school I was in the, the chorus, okay? And it was something I loved. I loved singing and I loved being a part of that except for one event. It came every spring, and it was called the Spartan Spectacular. We were the Spartans at our school, and this spectacular event involved all kinds of music. The problem was it wasn't just music. It was also choreography. And I have no ability in that area at all. There is a picture that I want to show you. There it is. It's awesome, isn't it? The satin shirts really make the, the event. This was 1986, okay? Just remember that. And I'm, you know, trying to kick left and shuffle right and all this stuff, and every spring I just dreaded it because the whole event, and it, we did four shows, okay? It wasn't just one time. The whole event was an absolute embarrassment for me. Maybe you know what that's like. We can move on from that picture now, Chris. Thank you. We're in the series and we're finishing up today and we're calling it Can't Get No Satisfaction. And we've been thinking about how sometimes we are dissatisfied with ourselves, dissatisfied with our lives in many ways. And we've talked about how we sometimes don't feel like we have enough money. We've talked about our families that we may really love but have imperfections just like us. And today I want us to think about ourselves. The fact that in some ways we are dissatisfied with ourselves. And, you know, this time of year, some of us have made resolutions and maybe even broken those, maybe even forgotten them by now. And we've said we're going to be different in some specific way because, there, because there's something about myself that needs to change. Now, there's nothing wrong with recognizing a need to change, but sometimes part of that is beating up on ourselves. And I think we do that because you know, we feel dissatisfied with who we are. Maybe we don't feel like we're as smart as everyone else. In school, people seem to pick things up quicker than you did. Or maybe it's because you didn't have the athletic ability. I've told you I was in debate and chorus so far as a part of my ministry here. That probably tells you something about how athletic I was in high school. Didn't have it. Maybe you've thought, I, I should be more successful on my job. Everyone else seems to be moving up some kind of ladder, and I'm still sort of stuck in the same place. And things don't really look like they're going to change. You're dissatisfied with yourself, with your looks, with your body. You're dissatisfied with the way you do relationships. Or maybe you're dissatisfied because, and this is very real for lots of people, because of health problems you're struggling with. Not necessarily anything you've done to cause this, it's just there, and that limits what you're able to do. And the way you're able to interact, and the way you can serve, and the way you can serve even in church, you're dissatisfied with yourself because of those health issues. We all face some of those things. And sometimes we're dissatisfied with ourselves because of our sin because of the things that we have done. We look back on life and see all of those mistakes and all of those decisions that were clearly wrong, all of those things we have to identify as sin, and it has its consequences. And because of those decisions and because of those actions and because of the consequences, we are dissatisfied with ourselves. So what do we do with that? 
So many of us want some kind of change in life, and that shows up in lots of ways in our world. This is one. The International Spa Association reported that the number of hotels with spas, okay, you got that? A hotel that has a spa as a part of it was 473 in the year 2000. By 2004, it was 1,662. By the year 2009, it was 15,500. Now, that's a pretty big change. You see things like in Arizona, a Native American shaman guides clients through meditation and smudging their bodies with sage and sweetgrass and cedar. Disney Saratoga Springs, and if you watch the Disney Channel like our family does, you see this advertised. Uh, girls as young as four can join their parents for my first manicure or pedicure or facial. The spot, uh, Pennsylvania's Hershey Park, offers their signature chocolate fondue wrap, which sounds a lot better to eat than to wear, if you ask me. Here's the thing. Anthropologist Robbie Blinkoff attributes this phenomenon, this growing phenomenon, to the desire to experience something of lasting value for money spent. And this is a quote. People feel ready for a transformation. A vacation should make you feel like a new person, which is exactly what these spas are offering. Now, there's not necessarily anything inherently wrong there, but the point is we are looking to be changed in some way. And the question is, how are we going to find that change? How will we be transformed? I want us to look at some scripture that I think can help us as people of faith approach this dissatisfaction with ourselves and balance that with an understanding that God does sometimes call us to change. How do we find satisfaction in ourselves? I want us to turn to Psalm 139 first. Psalm 139, and we're going to begin in verse 13. The psalmist speaking to God says, For you created my inmost being." And a beautiful turn of phrase that maybe you're familiar with, the second half of that verse. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. A point Before we were born, God knew us. God knit us together. The point is that it was intentional. God made you to be you. Does that mean you're perfect? No, none of us are. We all have our imperfection. We all have our sin. But the point here is, God chose you to be you. It was intentional. It is not an accident that you are the person that you are. And because we were created by God, what that says is we have intrinsic value. Part of who we are is the value that God has placed there. Okay, I have value because God made me. You have value because God made you. And regardless of what anyone else says, regardless of what our world might say about who you are and how smart you are and the abilities you have and what you look like, you have value. Our world might tell you something different. 
December, 10th, December 15th, 2010, the Smith family welcomed Noah into their lives. And I've got some pictures of Noah and his mom and dad. You can find more out about this at noahsdad.com. Write that down because you're going to want to look. This is when Noah was born. And it was on that day that his family found out that he had an extra chromosome, which meant that he had what we would call Down syndrome. Now, tests can be done in our world, and you can find out if your baby's going to have Down syndrome or not before they're born. And the statistics show us that 9 out of 10 babies who have Down syndrome before they're born, you know, and it's a genetic, so we all get it before we're born if we have it, 9 out of 10 are aborted. So our world says this life is not worth living. It's too much trouble. It's too much difficulty for the parents. A child will never succeed, live a full life. What do you think the Smith family thinks about that? It's really a beautiful story, and this is just a tiny portion. If you're on Facebook, you can look them up, and there's hundreds of pictures. And he usually takes one a day or every other day, and it's just beautiful. And I think that's what we need to recognize, that life is beautiful. Even when it's imperfect. And they see Noah as a gift from God. And he has become a witness to thousands of people of the value of life, even in the midst of disability. God knit you and me and Noah and his parents together in our mother's womb. And so you have value today because God made you. I want us to look at another passage, an extremely familiar passage, maybe the best known of all. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So we're valuable because God made us, because God knit us together. But in many ways, we broke that, right? We corrupted that because of our sin. But God saw so much value in us as a part of his creation that he chose to give the greatest gift, to make the sacrifice that in so many ways is unbelievable, to send his son to redeem us, to bring us back to what he created us to be. Not only did God create us to give us value, God sent his son that shows us just how valuable we are, even in the midst of our sin. So today, maybe many of us are thinking about how dissatisfied we are with something about ourselves, God is looking down on us and saying, I created you. You're of immense value to me. So much so that when you as human beings messed up my creation, 
I sent my son to make it right again. And so he's calling us, calling us to repent of that corruption, to be the people that he has made us to be and is calling us back to be because we are forgiven. So the message for us today is God planned for you and loves you. And that should change our thinking. You know, I can imagine God looking down on us in the midst of all our doubt, in the midst of our dissatisfaction with ourselves, in the midst of us thinking, I wish I was like someone else, and I wish I looked like someone else, and I wish I had their ability, I wish I had their smarts, I wish I had all the things that they are. God looking down on us and saying, what more could I do to show you that you have value? How could I make it any more clear? I made you, and I sent my son to die on a cross for you. What else is there? So it should change the way that we look at ourselves. It should change the way that we think about ourselves. We need to embrace that truth that God loves you, and God planned for you, and God loves you. And it should affect the way that we act. And, and we've talked about a couple of these things all the way through this series, and I think it's because it's so much at the heart of us being satisfied with what God is doing in our lives. And the first one is we've got to quit comparing. Isn't that easy to do? That person looks better than me. That person's smarter than me. That person has that ability that I wish I had. That person seems to relate better to other people. I just wish I was more like him or her there's God saying, I created you. I love you. I planned for you. So whether we're talking about money or we're talking about relationships or family or work, we need to quit comparing because each life is different Each of us is different, and God created us to be different from one another. So stop comparing. And then one of the great ways that I think we value life is when we find ways to serve other people. When we take the focus off our dissatisfaction with ourselves and put the focus on the fact that God created other people as well. And it changes something within us when we can serve other people and show them their value in God's sight, to show them that God sees them as beautiful. It's a reflection of how God has loved me when I serve others and show them the love that God was willing to show me. It's all about how we understand God looking on us and seeing us as valuable and important. So much so that he was willing to send his son to die on a cross for our sins. Now, are there things about our lives that we need to change? Sure there are. We're all sinners. There's something that we need to eliminate from our lives. That's part of repentance, recognizing the sin and doing everything we can and and seeking God's power so that that sin can be eliminated. Absolutely. Are there things that we need to look about in our lives and say, I need to change the way that I do this? Sure. But none of that affects the fact that you are valuable. 
and that God loves you. It reflects who our Father is. Great story of a young girl, an Indian girl, who was adopted by an American family, went to a Six Flags theme park. The girl gets separated from her family, and, and the dad begins to look all around the kitty land, and he doesn't see his daughter, and finally he spots her across the way beside a security guard, and the security guard is sort of making sure that she's safe, and, and immediately she says, there's my daddy, and the security guard is looking out there, obviously seeking out an Indian father, and sees no one, and he says, who is your father? And she runs across the way to her father and hugs him and holds him tight. And he said, I guess I have my answer. And he did. Who is your father? The one who planned for you. The one who knit you together. And the one who loves you. Let's pray together. God, I'm thankful for each person that's here today. Even in our imperfection. I'm thankful for the way that you planned for each of us, that you made us, that you love us enough, that you sent your Son for us. God, help us to see our value in your eyes. Help us to see how you can remake us into the person that you want us to be. God, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe today as you recognize your value shown so clearly by God in the fact that he created you and sent his son to die for you, you recognize that it's time to turn in faith to him, to repent, and to be baptized into him, to become a Christian. If you're ready to make that decision, we want to know about it. Or maybe you've done that and you want to be a member of our church. If you've made either one of those decisions, let us know. Come forward as we stand and sing our invitation. Let's stand together.